everybody. Welcome to The Kelly O Show. I'm your host, Kelly Alexa. This show is dedicated to inspiring women of all ages to pursue excellence in mind, body, and business. After decades of playing small in my own life and staying in the comfort zone, a couple of years of massive chaos and drama in my personal and my professional life forever changed me for the better. Through some tough lessons, I evolved and I became a stronger and more confident version of myself, fearless and finally, unapologetically myself. I am now designing my life bigger and better than ever before. And most importantly, I'm designing a life on my terms that is full of joy and happiness. And I think that this is something that's been missing for so many women. They're either staying in the comfort zone like I was Or they've got a life that looks pretty good on the outside, but it's missing real joy and health and happiness. And that is no bueno. I believe that the future is female. And every week, this show is going to bring you incredible interviews and live shows that I hope is going to motivate you to take massive action in your life, to leave the comfort zone and go all in again to pursue achieving excellence in mind, body, and in business. I hope you enjoy the show and let's dive in. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Kelly O Show. This is part two of a two-part interview with Dr. Jessa Zimmerman, sex therapist. If you haven't listened to part one, I promise you, you will understand a lot more of what we're talking about here in part two. If you go back and listen to part one first. I'm looking back at what you said before, where, you know, you have two different people, one feels rejected and one feels pressured. And I'm thinking about this initial conversation. So if you're the man and say the man has felt like, okay, my wife never wants to have sex. So really deep down inside, even though he's going out acting like a cocky jag and cheating on his wife, right? He ultimately feels rejected. And so in the context of her, um, or of course, this could be a same-sex relationship as well, right? In the context of the person that, that doesn't want to have sex, he's going to go home, he or she, and, and feel embarrassed, rejected. So he's not going to want to bring that up because where he feels like a super stud is when he goes out to the bar and can pick up you know, this woman and, and be like another notch on my belt. And then he goes home, but in front of that person who he feels is rejecting him, it's not going to bring it up. And then I think about the woman who looks at sex as a chore and, and she feels like a failure because mm-hmm. she feels like, I, you know, and, and so she's going to avoid it because she, I'm just putting myself in the position of that woman. Like she's probably thinking if I bring this up, he's going to think it's a free for all like, oh, well now that I want to work this out, he's just going to want to say, and and so she's going to avoid it because, (laughs) you know, they're both making assumptions. Is that, would you say that's accurate? Yeah. I, I, again, there's several things I want to address in what you just said. Let me start with this. I, I coined a term called the sexual avoidance cycle. And actually it's the whole subject of my book and my course. Couples who start to avoid sex or even talking about sex because it's difficult. Because when something makes us feel bad, when it's more negative than it is positive, it's human nature to avoid it. So if you feel broken, if you feel rejected, if you know, whatever it is, it's human nature to avoid that topic. It's human nature to avoid that activity. But the problem is, of course, avoiding something, it doesn't make it go away, right? The pressure increases. It gets more and more difficult, which makes it more and more you know, difficult to engage with your partner, yeah. either sexually or to have that conversation. Um, so yes, it's difficult 
to, to break, you know, to approach this thing that makes us feel bad, that makes us anxious instead of avoid it. But it's really crucial if you want to, if you want to change this, if you want to become an easily intimate couple, um, the first step is to acknowledge that there's struggles and, and to talk about it. And that's why, you know, I think the steps I have in that guide could be really useful because there's a lot of work you do before you ever open your mouth to kind of get ready for that and change the, the lay of the land. The other thing I sort of wanted to say, because you brought up cheating a lot, not all people go out and cheat when they don't have sex. In fact, I'd probably, I mean, I don't know how many people do, of course, and how many don't. I think of cheating as a bad solution to a problem. Mm. So when I work with couples in therapy, the problem they have co-created is this difficult sex life or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And that needs to get addressed. But we also have to look at why would this person choose that solution? What about them? lets them lie directly to their partner's face and break relationship agreements and not deal with something directly. Like that has to get addressed too. You know, yeah. it's not okay to go cheat. That's dishonest. It's, it's yeah. uh, you know, and that, that kind of has to, that's not just excused because somebody doesn't get sex at home. That's a particular choice somebody makes. And if they're doing it, you know, there's sort of a big difference to get drunk once and have a one night stand and come home and tell your partner. Uh, that's very, very different than a philanderer who's out cheating all the time or has a year long relationship with their partner's sister or something mm -hmm. like that, you know, like there's different degrees <laughs> of cheating, yeah. but we kind of have to take on what is it about the person that allowed them to do that? You know? True. Yeah. I just, I, I certainly know um, my, that, that was a lot of my experience was just, you know, and, and it was like, that's, that's all I saw. And, yeah. and I, it, it made, frankly, it, I mean, it affected, probably the way I viewed just men in general, because I'm like all men cheat. This is all, I mean, the only times I would get hit on, it was some, and, and just, I, I can still think of some of the conversations I've had where they were just like, I remember one guy I, I wasn't even interested in. And so many of them, I wasn't interested in them. And they would just, you know, basically present it as if it was like, uh, I'm going through the drive-thru. Can I pick something up for you? <laughs> right, like, right, right. I mean, this one guy, I was introduced to him at a conference and he's like, so um, this is going to be complicated, right? I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you and I. And I'm like, what do you, I'm sorry, what? And he's like, well, you, you probably have a husband, right? And I said, no, I don't. He goes, oh, good. And I go, you have a wife? And he said, yes. And I go, so do you have an open relationship? And he said, no. And I'm like, I I'm not quite picking up what you're saying. He's like, well, it's complicated, but we can work it out. Like he wasn't even asking if I was interested in <laughs> oh. that was very much the norm for me to, so, to be hit on by, by married men that were compartmentalizing and acting like it was no big deal. Like it was so no here, big deal. They were cheating. Yeah. So here's part of what's going on too is, I mean, with cheaters maybe and with, when, with people in a desire discrepancy, part of what happens when people struggle with this, and again, plenty of people don't, they navigate this as a team, it's not a problem. But when people fall into these traps, often, so let's say it's a guy who wants more sex, right? His sense of adequacy is based on the other person's level of desire. They're taking it personally, okay? So they're starting to demand sex to make themselves feel important or valued or desired, you know, and maybe they get that feeling if they're out at the conference cheating, right? It's about validation. True. Right? That's unpalatable. <laughs> that's, that's changing the meaning of the sex that they're looking for, right? This is not about me and my wife um, 
going somewhere together and connecting and sharing an experience. It's about me feeling okay about myself. And that's what they're going to their partner for. And the, that sex is not very sexy. That's not engaging. I got to have yeah. sex with you so you won't pout tomorrow. Or so you'll feel okay about yourself, right? And the guys that are out cheating, that's probably part of what's at play. They're getting validation from this. Well, that's something that needs to get addressed. And that's a legitimate obstacle for their partner to be interested. That's why this feels like a chore. This is why they, they do it to get their partner off their back. That's unsustainable. They're not going to be able to do that forever. It's really, that's where it gets toxic. That's icky. I always start, always, <laughs> with the, the presumption that the lower desire partner has some really legitimate reasons to be less interested in sex, right? Like they don't, they're not feeling all the desire they might have. Like everybody's got their ceiling, their potential, but the lower desire partner is usually, if they're struggling, is way lower than that for really good reasons. And this would be one of them. Their partner's mm -hmm. guilting them, or it's about validation, or they're going to sulk, or they're going to get the silent treatment, or they're going to be nicer tomorrow if I have sex with them. Like all of that is really, that's not a basis for connecting intimately. Okay. I have, I have a question and I want to like, and then I want to jump to uh, like maybe part two. So this part one okay. is more like we're, we're kind of talking about, or, or, building a foundation. And again, I would really love to have you back on the show, but we're talking about like, you know, people who ha are having sex and, and it's not what it should be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and then what I'd like to jump to is kind of maybe the next level where there's, there's two people who are having sex, but could be a lot better. Right. And there's okay. just a lack of communication. My question to you is for people who have taken your program or who you've worked with in person, for people that are in these states that are having, you know, where there's one person whose desire is a lot less and the other person and there's hurt and there's, there hasn't been communication, um, at the risk of sounding incredibly naive, like, is it very common that you work with people and even though it could be rough in the beginning, opening up these streams of communication that doing so, and if both partners are willing to do the work, like it can, they can get to, do you see a lot of people get to the other side where there's repair and they do the work and then they end up, you know, is there like happy endings for a lot of couples? Cause to me, it sounds like if you did the work and you were both willing to, to, you know, humble yourself and be honest and peel back the layers and do all of that. Like you could get to the point where maybe this marriage has been dried up and, and this relationship has been anything but intimate, but you could get there. Do you see a lot of repaired relationships? Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't do this work if I didn't, you know? Yeah. So like my book and my course are geared towards people in basically good relationships right? So we're not talking about high conflict and contempt and nastiness, right? People that where there's a lot of goodwill and love and respect and they're good teammates or they're good co-parents, right? They've got, they've got a foundation. And if they have that, they can totally do this. You, and, and maybe it would help to just sort of talk about um, what I call sort of the pillars of this course. Um, just really briefly, yeah. like you need, you need this new paradigm. You need to understand what's gotten you stuck what beliefs have gotten you stuck, what kind of myths about sex that there are, how desire really works, how to think about this differently so that you're freed up from all that. You need, the second pillar is teamwork and actually really individual accountability. What's my role in this? What kind of, I, there's a whole chapter in my book called Who Packed Your Bags, right? We all bring baggage into a relationship. What were you raised with and how's that getting in your way? 
you know, and what's your role in the dynamics now with your partner that is digging you deeper into a hole, right? Because every situation is co-created. So you have to be working as a team, but mostly by what I call playing your own side of the court, taking yourself on. Then the third pillar is structured practice. Like this can't just be an abstract thing. You have to go do stuff and practice these ideas. So there's a really, there's a very structured exercise I use that people get to sort of customize or individualize or pace themselves, but you need structured practice to go in and have numerous experiences trying to be different, you know, to kind of learn how to do this really differently and take the pressure off. And then ultimately the fourth pillar is sort of integration. Like how do you learn from what happens and really make sort of, you know, real change that's going to last. And all of that is possible. Now your sex life, anybody's sex life may not end up looking like you think you want it to, right? You may have a vision of uh, this expectation of what you want. You may have to let that go. Depends what that is and what your reality is. But if you can, if you can adopt this new paradigm and work together, you can absolutely create the best sex life that you can with your partner, given whatever constraints are, are there. Hmm. That's awesome. Um, that's very, very encouraging because, you know, I just, sometimes I, I see all those comments like I did and I just, am like, I do, I can, I can see myself being internally in my head judgmental, like, Oh, you're a lost cause. But it's good to know that you've seen that that's not the case because that's, that's what I would want. When I, when I see that, I just, am like, I, I hate to see two people who inevitably or ultimately at some point had such love and passion for each other and they've completely let that go. Yeah. It has to yeah. be recoverable. So right. I, I think, you know, I think frankly, part of what happens in a Facebook group is people can vent, you know, and they, they're going to say something there that they never go home and tell their partner, you know, I go, I don't care about you. I got a job. I don't have to have sex. That's probably not how they respond. And I think it's probably covering a lot of pain. The people in my experience, the, the women that come into my practice and struggle with desire, or the men too, the people that are struggling with desire feel broken. I mean, and may, you know, I think what they're putting in the Facebook group is a mask over that. It's a sense of bravado. But most people feel broken. What is wrong with me that I don't want this thing that we're supposed to want? Mm. I am, and I am afraid something's wrong with me. Our relationship won't survive this. I'm going to lose my partner. Like there is real pain under that. So I think even all of those women that piped into that, that Suzanne Summers post, yeah, I'm guessing here, 90%, I think are probably actually afraid and feel broken and inadequate and would desperately actually want to feel good in their intimate relationship with their partner. Well, I'm going to make sure I go back and share your, your course. <laughs> <laughs> Serious. Yeah. Um, that's, that, that's a side note. Okay, so in the last, we've got like, five, 10 minutes left. And, okay. and this would be maybe like a good, we'll kind of start the foundation. And when we come back, we can pick up where we left off. But, you know, I, I referenced to you before that, you know, I, in full transparency, am somebody who, you know, from the time I became sexually active at 19, 20, whenever that was, um, up until now, I've not been that person that has ever viewed sex as a chore. I've always wanted it. I've always wanted a lot. Um, and, and that's been my thing. However, I would be lying if I said that when I, you know, when I look at myself as a sexually active youngster in my twenties, I had no idea. I don't even think I knew what an orgasm was. I mean, conceptually mm-hmm. I did. Um, I was not, 
for certainly no man ever asked me, what do you want? Does this feel good? Do you like this? You know, how no one ever, ever, there was no discussion. Um, and it wasn't even a discussion outside of that. It wasn't like I was reading books or magazines or hearing like, ask your partner this, maybe I might've seen it on a cosmopolitan magazine or something. Um, and, and, and when I was married, certainly my husband never, and I don't want to say my husband and I had bad sex. I wouldn't say that at all, but it it just certainly was, there was no communication. There was no, what can I do for you? There wasn't, when I compare anybody to what I have now in the love of my life and the best sex I've ever had in my life and the most wonderful intimate relationship and loving relationship I've ever had or could ever dream of. And that's just the truth. Yeah. I look at everything else and I'm like, okay, what's different? Well, there's communication. And tr- yeah. let me just say to you, I'm 51 years old. When I first met my man and he was comfortable communicating I was so embarrassed. I was oh. like, I I turned and I'm not, I'm sure you've picked up on this, Jessa. I'm not yeah. somebody that's like a Puritan, but yet talking about sex was so embarrassing for me. Is that very common? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Even when you feel like you can be totally open and comfortable with all kinds of things, we have not had that practice generally, right? It's been discouraged in our households or just absent and and, you know, most people are not taught, occasionally people talk to their friends, but mostly I hear, no, I never, I never talk to anybody about this. And certainly not in the explicit detail that you would have to, if you're going to talk about what you're doing together in sex and what you would like to be doing together. That can't be vague. That can't be just, uh, oh, t- touch me down there. You're you know? in the right area. <laughs> so yeah, it's brand new. And so it takes practice. It's weird at first. It's, um, I will say for everybody listening, you know, as somebody who, and, and I, I did want to share that and be completely transparent because, you know, I'm somebody that, again, I mean, I think somebody might think, oh, well, the only women that would be embarrassed about talking about sex with their partner would be somebody who's a prude or somebody who, you know, doesn't like sex or doesn't want sex or whatever. And that's not the case at all. Like, it's just the thought of, I mean, there were parts of my body that I just... He would bring up a Google spreadsheet and go, do you know that this is what, you know, this part of your anatomy is? And I'm like, um, can we just not talk about it? I just, and, and now I'm completely different. But the first few times, I'm sure that yeah. he asked me a question. I looked the other way. I'm like, I can't believe he just Well, here's, here's another thing that's at play. One of the myths, really, this expectation that a lot of people have is that it's up to our lover to know our body and what we want. True. And they either should figure it out or they should come in knowing. It's not my job, right? It's I shouldn't have to talk. They, If they really love me, if we were really attuned, or if this was the right relationship, they would just know. I mean, if you really think about that, that's kind of crazy. I, I mean, I have to tell people this all the time. I believe we are each responsible for our own pleasure. And we have to provide our lover, our partner, with the information they need to please us. And that, you know, that can be different day to day. So it's always true. It's, and, and we don't approach it that way. I think that this, now this is a personal belief, um, but it also ties into what I have observed. And I've, you know, I, I've got a course on this topic, um, which I first positioned as a business course, but it really is much more 
behavioral. It's called the opposite of nice isn't nasty. And I first first titled it as, you know, a sales business training course for women to help them with uh, confidence and assertiveness and to stop being such a people pleaser. The reason I'm bringing this up now is I think because I, I certainly know it in my case that there are a lot of women who don't bring up um, what they want or, hey, you know, like if, if their significant other is doing something to them that they don't like and in their head, they're enduring it and they're like, oh my God, this, I wish he would stop. This is so awful. But they yeah. would never say, number one, I don't like that. Or number two, I wish you would do it this way because they think that's selfish or greedy or insensitive or that's not nice. I could never say that. Do you agree? Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's some of the tenets I have, the, the whole course and even just in my practice, I'm bringing this up to people all the time. It is crucial in good sex to be selfish. You're responsible for your own pleasure and you should let yourself have that. You're a much more compelling partner if you're having a great time. And That's it's, so you know, true. we're also giving, I mean, it's a flow between it's about me, it's about you, it's this dance, like it, there needs to be room for both, um, but it's crucial to be selfish. And I'm always telling people how important no is. The whole foundation of trust is based on no. I can ask for things if I know you'll take care of yourself and say no if you need to. Right? No should be celebrated. That should, that's not rejection or criticism or anything else. That's like, hallelujah, you're taking care of yourself. That frees me up. Hmm. And that's so true what you said a second ago, too. So all the women that are out there thinking, I couldn't say that. That will you know, hurt that person's feelings. And, and, or I couldn't say that. That's selfish. Like you're, Put yourself in, in you know, the reverse shoes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be doing something that is annoying that is not you know i mean ultimately like why am i in the intimate dance with my partner i want to make them feel good because i right. care about them so much and right. so if you know that then you know nobody wants to waste their time <laughs> well yeah and it's and it's still buying into the idea that i'm supposed to know Instead of, no, my partner needs to tell me. That's crucial. They're the ones, you know, it's like masturbation. You know, we have this instant loop between what we're doing, how it feels, and how we want it to feel. So then we can change what we're doing. And we're reacting at the speed of neurons, right? We need to provide that same kind of info to our lover. There's no way they should know they're not in our body. They don't know what we need or how it feels. So if we looked at that as a gift, it's not a criticism, it's a gift. Right, we're responsible for our own pleasure, and we enlist our partners in that. It's so. I mean, look at it. it it's so simple. Like, if you take it out of the context of sex, and you look at it as at, as food. You know, my man and I both love to cook, and we'll cook. You know, we co often co cook, right? Like, he'll make one part of the meal, I'll make the other, and then we sit down and we're eating it, and we're like, so you know, how's the rice? How's the salmon? How's this? And sometimes we'll we'll like go back and forth and go, you know, the, this is really good. I think that we should just add this, or we should. No one's like insulting the rice or you know taking apart the salmon. We're just collaborating, and that's really what I view uh, a, a a really good intimate sex life is collaboration. Yes, absolutely. I use I use the word collaboration all the time. <laughs> and in fact, I will just as as we close up here because I see we're we're at our window. But um, I just want to tell everybody that's listening: if this is this is I know new for a lot of you, and as somebody who I can tell you, I just want to reiterate: I never communicated with anybody except my 
the love of my life that I'm with now. I never had communication, never had anybody ask me. I was embarrassed by all of it. Um, mm -hmm. But I can tell you, it like anything, it gets easier once you start. And number two, then you will appreciate it. And I appreciate learning about my body. And I have several books. In fact, I'm hoping to get some of these authors on the show who have written tremendous books about, you know, just women getting to know your body and, mm -hmm. and getting to know your body down there and, you know, your erogenous zones and 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 all of that because your our bodies are a magnificent machine, the way where they're created. Um, why not? You know, we we put so much time and effort into educating ourselves in other areas. But um, I can say from experience that starting the conversation, having that communication, it changes everything. And, yeah. you know, once you know, once you're in a relationship where it's not just loving and affectionate, but you have that really vibrant, amazing intimate relationship, that's when you know, like, this is what we were created for. Like, this is, we're so different than, than animals. We're so different than anybody else. We're so, this is, this is what you should aspire to. So I love that we're having this conversation. I definitely want to have you back on the show, Jessa. Absolutely. Um, but we've referenced a couple things. You've referenced, you've got a program. We've referenced your website. I want to link up to everything. So tell people where they can find you and, and look into your program online. I'm going to direct people to sexwithoutstress.com. Awesome. So Sex Without Stress, A Couple's Guide to Overcoming Disappointment, Avoidance, and Pressure is the book I wrote based on everything I see in my therapy practice in Seattle. And then I have turned that into an online course because it's kind of hard to go through a book and hold yourself accountable to a process. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. you know, delivered by video and modules with homework and, you know, to make it, um, to give more support and structure to people that really want to take on this work. So it's all on sexwithoutstress.com. And if you do slash guide, that's where that freebie is about talking, you know, bringing this topic even up to your partner. Oh, I love it. And I'm totally going to put that in that Facebook group. Just <laughs> because the, that's, I mean, honest, and, and I will, I'm, I mean, we, we promote all of our podcasts anyway, but for sure, this is, this is wonderful. And I'm so glad we, we connected in that of all things, Facebook group. Oh, as well. I, I just realized, do you mind if I also mention my podcast? Cause people might say no, that's another, gosh. that's like a totally free resource is I host the better, better sex podcast. I've got to make sure that I tune in better sex podcast. And I love the name of your site, Sex Without Stress. That's awesome. So Jessa, thank you so much. Um, I definitely want to have you back on the show and I sincerely appreciate this. This was very informative. Um, you're very, very articulate and, and ex in explaining this. And um, I know it's going to help so many. And for everybody listening, um, as you know, we are going to have a series on sex, love, and intimacy. So please whatever questions you have um, that you want to see us cover. I mean, obviously, if you've listened to this, you know, connect directly with Jessa if you're interested in her course and, and then bypass me. But if you're just wanting us to talk about certain topics um, in this series, we're going to have other best-selling authors and uh, practitioners and experts on the show. Write into us. Use the contact me form at kellyalexa.com. Please know I'm never, ever going to reveal your name or your information unless you give us explicit written permission. I would never do that. So if you send in a question, don't think I'm going to go, Sandy, uh, Sandy Smith from, you know, Provo, Utah <laughs> says blah, blah, blah. I would never do that. So use the contact me form at kellyalexa.com and just say, 
here's what I'd love to see you, you know, here's what my problems are. Here's what I'd love to see you cover. You know, talk about this, talk about this, and we'll, uh, we'll make sure that we cover that in future episodes. You can also use that same contact me form if you would like to nominate somebody that you think would be great for this series or just for me to interview on more of a fitness, health, and wellness uh, subject on the show. And you can also inquire about uh, advertising and sponsorship opportunities there as well. So again, Jessa, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We will see you next time on The Kelly O Show. Hey, everybody. This marks the end of part two of this two-part interview with Dr. Jessa Zimmerman. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you found this content to be valuable. I think that this Sex, Love, and Intimacy series is going to be tremendously helpful and beneficial for so many of us. I certainly learned a lot, and I think that Dr. Zimmerman is just so articulate, so good at making what can be an uncomfortable subject for so many people um, very accessible and very comfortable to discuss. So hopefully you enjoyed this. We encourage you, of course, uh, to check out Dr. Jess's online course. And if you're in the Seattle area, of course, check out her website and you can visit with her uh, in person, which is awesome. And all of that will be linked up in the show notes at thekellyoshow.com. If you have any questions, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, that you'd like to see us cover on this series, please just head on over to kellyalexa.com. Use the contact me form, and you can do that to let us know what questions you have, um, what you would like to see us cover with Dr. Zimmerman when she's back on the show, or if you'd like to have us, if you'd like to nominate somebody that we interview in this series. Or, of course, you can use that same contact me form if you'd like to nominate somebody on another topic that we interview on the show. If you're enjoying this show, we hope you would sincerely, I would sincerely hope that you would share this uh, with your friends on social media. I really, really appreciate it. And if you haven't had the chance to do so, please leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. That helps the show get seen and heard by more people who can benefit from this free information that we put out on a daily basis. Thank you so much in advance. I really appreciate your time. We'll see you guys next time on The Kelly O Show.